You're listening to Office Politics, brought to you by BYOB Revolt. Welcome back to Office Politics. I am your host, Jasmine Reed Clark, and this is the space where we get down and dirty and talk about all things related to career advancement and obviously office politics. Now, today we are diving into one of my favorite topics failure. Kind of scary, right? But I think failure is a really interesting thing to think about how we define it how we define ourselves by it, and what do we do after we've experienced it. And sure, usually we, you know, in hindsight, we're like, oh, everything happens for a reason. We have the really cute letter board, Instagram post, talking about our struggle and our journey. But what do you do when you're in the midst of that journey? How do you rebuild your confidence? It's something I'm still working on all the time. So I had on someone I have admired for years to talk about that very topic. I have on Surgery and the City's Anya, and Anya is a med student graduate and a thriving fashion blogger, and she definitely has experienced her fair share of perceived failure, including getting kicked out of med school. On today's episode, Anya and I get into her challenges with passing her exams, not being a natural academic, rebuilding her confidence after getting kicked out of med school, having her faith tested during her journey, and of course, her personal style evolution. And you definitely want to stay towards the end because I have a fun round of like and swipe where... She and I kind of go head to heads on, uh, you know, mixing metals. So you got to hear us duke it out. All that said, I'm excited for this episode. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Let's get into it. Anya, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. Me too, me too. You have actually like one of my favorite journeys. Um, when I was first putting together the dream podcast list, you were on there because something about your story that really speaks to me and likely everyone else is you don't always fit into a perfect box. I think we feel like a journey has to look a certain way and mm-hmm. then we have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact that you have the most vivacious online presence um, and you're still doing everything in the medical field and you're still an entrepreneur, I'm just like, she juggles everything. It really seems like you've kind of shredded the blueprint on how to do life, which I love. I love. Yes, of course. So I would love to just hear from you. Just can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and what the last couple of years have looked like for you, both professionally and personally? Sure. So again, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here speaking to you. Um, The last few years have been interesting. It's been such a journey. I have wanted to become a physician since I was a very, very little girl. Um, I grew up in a pretty non-traditional household with both my parents, all three of my brothers, and then my grandparents on my mom's side. And um, so all eight of us in the household, it was a great time. But growing up, I saw my mom 
deal with my grandparents as they get older, just taking them to and from their doctor's appointments and them not having the greatest health literacy, them not having the greatest health education, you know, um, and just struggling to kind of navigate the healthcare field in that realm. And so I just thought, wow, how many other people specifically who look like me are dealing with this? And how can I be of some sort of help? I just felt so helpless by the time I was 16, 17, seeing my mom tote my grandparents to and from those appointments, and then eventually losing my grandfather to Alzheimer's and my grandmother to pancreatic cancer. I couldn't do anything because I didn't know anything to do. And so though that's the reason, that's the impetus behind me wanting to become a physician. And also I thought as a little girl, I I want to do nice things when I get older. I want to be able to take care of myself and my family and I want to contribute in my future marriage and I want my kids to see mommy works and that's good. And so um I decided I'm going to become a doctor no matter what. And I hit the ground running. Um, at Boston University. And there were just so many different things that stood in my way ever since I walked onto that campus in 2006. I had to end up taking the MCAT three times. I had to get two masters. Um, I had to apply to medical school twice. And then once I got to medical school, the issues continued, specifically surrounding test taking. I didn't know that what I needed was test taking strategy and not necessarily continuous content review. And that really messed me up because I failed my step one exam, which is the first board exam in medical school. I failed it three times and I got kicked out of medical school. And that was the most difficult thing I dealt with because I just worked so hard to get in. If you can imagine three degrees and everything that came along with all of those programs only to get kicked out. Um, so that was very difficult for me. And it's around that time that I decided I need to do something that is just for Anya. Medicine mm. is for me, but it's also for my future patients and those who I will impact. I need something for Anya. And so I decided to start surgery in the city before I had my life together. I thought I was going to wait. You know, I had my mom and my friends and my classmates telling me, Anya, you need to start your blog. You're fashionable, your hair, you need to talk about this and that. And I was just like, I'll wait until everything's perfect with school. And until I'm this perfect doctor, that day mm -hmm. never came. And so I just started, I took um, a six week sabbatical in New York because I just needed to get away while I was restudying for my step one exam. My brother, Aaron, let me stay with him in his Brooklyn studio and that is where surgery in the city was born. <laughs> so, wow. so, because I was just so <laughs> enthused by being in the city. I love city lifestyle. Um, ever since going back to Boston for college um, and then having that time in New York and just riding the subway and, you know, being proud of myself for not getting lost. I was like, I need to start <laughs> this blog right now today because I'm going to lose my mind if I pour everything into this one medical school basket. And when I started that blog, medical school changed for me. I was able to get back into school. I appealed with the president. She gave me a chance. Um, I passed the step one exam because we found a test taking strategist at my school to help me. And then I passed step two on the first try, became a doctor. <laughs> And my blog is doing better than I could ever imagine. So that is just um, the 
yeah. That <laughs> That's is my beautiful. Part of my story. <laughs> You've given us like the movie version of your life in oh. two minutes, and I love it. And Thank you. <laughs> it's so beautiful because while we know that there is that like happy ending or that mm-hmm. um, that that finale at the end of it, I love that we're able to understand that. It wasn't paved with like only triumphs and like I did it and right. all of these Instagram moments. It's like <laughs> right. there are moments the letter board is going to say I screwed up or I failed. And I'm really excited to touch on that and really just so many aspects of your story. So we're going to touch on a lot of things. But the first thing is, is when you said, um, I almost want to take it back to when you were a little girl sure. and you said like, it's clear you've had this passion and just lifelong mission to become a doctor Mm -hmm. and a physician. And my question for you is, were you someone who was like naturally great at the science and the math? Or was it something that maybe creativity and the arts came more naturally? And this was something that really took you out of your comfort zone? Sure. That's a really good question, actually, because I I'm an intelligent person, but I do not feel like I do not feel like the sciences always came easily to me. I did mm-hmm. well in school. I was in all the AP classes, graduated with above 4.0 GPA, all of that. Um was in the top 5th percentile of my class, but I had to always work. I don't feel like I was naturally gifted in the way that people can just see something one time, get it and move on. My brothers, Aaron and Alex, I feel like they can look at something once and pass the test and move on. Aaron used to complete assignments literally hours before they were due and make all A's. Andrew and I, we're in the middle and we have to work. We, we've we always oh, yep. had to work in school and we work hard and we made the grade, but it wasn't something that I feel came naturally to me. I'm an artsy person. I've always been a creative at heart. When I was in high school, I was the one using my lunch break to go back to pottery class and work on another part pot or, you know, go back to the dark room and, you know, process more of my photos. And it was always about my art. I always had this tug of war between wanting to be a physician and wanting to be an artist. And there was a part of high school, junior year, I just had some sort of epiphany maybe I should be a photographer. I should do that instead. And I just thought about that for about (laughs) six months. And I said, you know what? I need to be a photographer or I'm going to be a choreographer because I dance at my church. And I did some, um, I did just a little ballet, a little jazz, but mostly liturgical and lyrical dance. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can be this awesome artist. But then it always came back to medicine. But having this blog where I talk about fashion, natural hair care, my journey, Mm -hmm. tips for pre-medical students and medical students and pre-professional students, that allows me to have it all. And I just didn't know how it would look back then. I didn't know about blogging. I don't even think blogging was a thing. This was before Tumblr. This was before all of that. (laughs) And I just didn't know this was an option. So yes, I've always had that tug of war and I do not feel the sciences came easy. I did work for that. And organic chemistry, that was oh, a loss. God. Physics no, too. You, you lost me. No, oh, I was in um, physical science. That's like you either were put into like physics or physical science, and yeah. they were like, "Yeah, you need to go to the like 
less hard one. Um, When you're talking about that tug of war, something that I'm actually thinking about a lot right now in my personal life is narratives and like Mm rewriting, excuse me, rewriting narratives, um, getting out of a place of victimhood and making sure that I am, yes, acknowledging my obstacles, but not using them as a crutch. Um, You know, recently, and I feel like it's meant to be, I keep getting this message, whether it's like Instagram quotes or just, um, you know, maybe something I've seen online, but it's it's not your fault what happened to you as a child, but it's mm-hmm. your responsibility to protect yourself and to, and to grow from any wounds that you have. Mm-hmm. And so for me right now in 2020, I think it's rewriting narratives and really releasing resentment. Um, whatever residual resentment I might have for parts of life. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about narrative, I would love to know, did you struggle? Because now I can see you're flourishing in your individuality, but did you you ever just, yeah. Did you ever just struggle? Like, okay, if I am going to be this person, I must put on this hat and I must do this thing and have these interests. Like, did you ever struggle with identity? Oh, yes. All throughout medical school, especially once I started my blog and started posting more consistently. Um, But even before that, I would hear my classmates in the hallway talking about exams and, you know, going through different theories and making scientific jokes. And I was just like, (laughs) I don't want to talk about this. I... I just spent the past 24 hours studying. I didn't sleep. I just took this exam with 109 questions. I think I missed at least 20. That's problematic. I don't want to, I don't want it. And I was just sitting there thinking, man, I wonder what, um, what blouse I'm going to wear with that skirt I'm supposed to post Friday. And there were some days where I would responsibly shoot content before clinic or before rounds in the hospital. Tina and I, Tina is my photographer and we would wake up at the crack of dawn to shoot. And then sometimes after rounds, I would hide in the stairwell so I could schedule my posts (laughs) and make sure my brand was still flourishing while I was in medical school. That is not the average medical school activity. Absolutely not. (laughs) And so I definitely felt like I did not belong. I did not fit in. I was not down with the science jokes, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I did what was best for me. And I'm so glad I did because walking to the beat of my own drum is just so freeing and I would not change it for anything. I wouldn't. I love that. And (laughs) and I feel like the older we all get, the more we Mm -hmm. really can like relish and revel in that. Um, Did you ever care what the other students thought of you? Or were you like, I, whatever, I have my own brand. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, I don't need you to get it. Um, I don't know that I had time to really think about it because I was just, I was struggling so badly in school until, um, gosh, until really the end of third year is because I, I lost so much confidence in that step one exam. Mm. And so I had to really rebuild and rebuilding for me looked like showing up every day and focusing on what I knew and getting my knowledge and my um, 
just my patient care game up, my planning, my assessment, my note taking, all of that. So I was so focused on that and feeling so self-conscious about, you know, does anyone know that I failed this exam? And does anyone know I got kicked out outside of the few people I told? I don't think I thought about what they thought about my blog. Right. I really don't recall no. thinking about that because I was just so self-conscious about the medical side of me and just not feeling confident enough to walk in the fact that I passed that exam and I was moving on like everyone else. That really deterred me from doing well on rotations, answering questions correctly. I would know the answers, but I would second guess and say the wrong thing because my confidence had been so damaged. So I, I feel like my focus was more on what they thought about me as a future practitioner and not necessarily what they thought of me um, with, with the blog. How did you go from shaken to standing tall? What was that journey like? I think I was able to regain some confidence and go from shaken to standing tall by just continuing to show up. There was no magic formula. There was nothing that I did to like snap my fingers and snap out of the depression that I was going through or the lack of self-confidence I was going through. I had to show up every day. I'll never forget it. On pediatrics, there was this one doctor who pimped the hell out of me every single day. And in the medical realm for medical school, pimping means getting asked questions on the spot and you needing to answer them in front of attendings, residents, and other medical students. And I had just come off of obstetrics and gynecology. So my other <laughs> medicine outside the realm of OB, it just became a little bit foreign to me because if I don't use information, I lose it. And we were in the beginning of that rotation and I was drained. I had not prepared enough. I was not confident in my knowledge base. And I was embarrassed every day I had that lady, but I never stopped going. I thought about, I was so shaken to the point where I thought I'm going to call out because you're allowed to have, I think one to two days on each rotation that you can call out. And I was so upset that I thought I need to call out. I talked about it with my mom. She said, it's your decision, Anya, you're a grown woman. I decided to show up anyway. That's oh, the only God. thing that kept me from losing my mind and from giving up. I just woke up every day and said, okay, let's do this. If I look like a fool, I look like a fool, but I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to learn this. If I get it wrong, I'll look it up and present it to her later, but I'm not going to let her deter me from my dream. I'm not going to let anyone deter me from my dream because I was out for the count. I was done. They weren't supposed to let me back into med school, but I'm here. And so, yes, I'm going to show up. That is how I made it through. I, I am truly speechless, but because this is a podcast, I am forcing <laughs> some words out. And you don't even... I just hope everyone sits with that because what you said, like there is no... I don't want to cry. There is no magic formula. And I think that's what oh, don't cry. you go for. I think that's what we, you know, we're mm -hmm. like begging for, especially on those hard days, but it's like, you yes. have to just keep showing up and it's hard. And it sounds so much more um, complicated or more 
um, there's more wizard wizardry involved, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. sometimes you just have to have the energy to show up and you're so strong. Cause I can even think back of calling in sick to work just because, mm-hmm. Oh God, that boss gets on my last nerve or right. you know, whatever it is. Um, right. and it's funny that you ended up obviously exceeding expectations. And I just, uh, I was, I was just journaling about this the other day and how when somebody underestimates you or is, you know, pimping you out, putting you on the spot, you have this like fantasy where you're like, I can't wait to come back and show you, you were wrong. Look at me now. (laughs) And I recently had that moment where that could have happened. And I swear to God, the only thing that came to my head was, It was always in me. I just needed to see it. And like, it never should have mattered if you saw it. So is that how like you have felt? Or are you like, no, girl, I have absolutely gotten my revenge and showed (laughs) back up and said, look at me now. (laughs) No, I have. I am not to that level um, because this year I'm actually taking off to apply to residency. So I can't be at that level. I still need help (laughs) and grace. Uh, but my oldest brother did tell me, Anya, just talk smack about them in your memoir and name names. I was like, bro, we, we don't have to take it there. You know, usually <laughs> I'm the one who's amped up and ready to go. <laughs> so I was really shocked that he said that. <laughs> um, but I, I can't name names because I don't want to get sued. And I. Oh, of course. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I haven't reached that point where I'm just like, look at me now. <laughs> No Chris Brown songs over here yet, but it's coming. Listen, well, if you need somebody to pop off with, I'll just slide in my DMs. We'll take care of it together. Oh so now you brought up something that I personally struggled with as well. Similarly, really bright. I feel like I'm really intelligent. However, test taking, psyched myself out. feel like I'm one of the only people who, whether it was um, Spanish or just you know, a history exam, I always would choose that like an essay if they gave us the option of taking an essay or a standardized test. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I'm out of college, so it's not something I have to give a ton of thought to anymore. But is there anything you can kind of shed light on, especially for those of us who do struggle, maybe somebody who's listening to this right now is in school, or is thinking of going back to school, but is deterred by the idea of like, I'm not a great test taker. Just any tips or insights that you feel are worth sharing? Sure. Two specifically come to mind. Number one is find your person. It's so important Mm -hmm. to have an academic mentor at school, someone who is positive, someone who believes in you, someone who will listen to you, and someone who will work with you consistently to make sure that you're meeting the mark. If I didn't have my academic mentor, I don't know where I would be. She listened to me. And even if she didn't think that some of the things I wanted to do for my career in terms of staying in second year and not decelerating, which means to take second year over the course of two years, she probably didn't think that was a good idea. But she listened to me when I said, God is not calling me to decelerate. I'm going to keep going. And she said, well, that's what we're going to do. And we did it. And I passed. So having an academic mentor who believes in you and who will work with you consistently is so important. 
when it comes to test taking, when it comes to your mental health as a student, when it comes to passing the in-house exams too. And then also having a test taking strategist is so important because for so many of us, it's not the content knowledge that we lack, it's the strategy on how to answer those questions, especially for people of color. These standardized exams are not normed on people of color. They're normed on affluent white people. So they don't test what we know. They don't test what we know. So it's important to have that extra strategy preparation. There was a test taking Mm. strategist at my school the entire time I was there. The entire time I failed step one three times. The school did not use him for personal reasons. And it's only because my academic mentor went to an offsite conference, found out someone else from my school was there. And it was this test-taking strategist, and she said, what do you do? And he says, I'm in the IT department at your school, but at other schools, I'm a test-taking strategist. I help students pass tests. And she was like, I have a student at our school who needs to pass a test. Can you help? And he said, of course. So making sure that you use the resources that are right there at your school, ask Mm. someone to be your Mm. mentor, ask if the school has test prep resources, specifically a strategist who can help you. That's so important. And that made all the difference in my career. And now I do feel more confident in my ability to take standardized exams. I don't feel like I'm perfect at it. I'm not scoring in the 90th percentile, but I'm going to pass and pass on the first try and move on with my life. Mm, (laughs) And that's what's important. mm. Especially that moving on with the life part. That's that rings true. And, you know, thankfully you're, you've, you've been so open and candid about being kicked out and, and going through these perceived failures. Mm-hmm. And as you've talked, the one in, like Instagram quote that keeps going through my head is I didn't come this far to only come this far. Right. And so did you, when you were saying like, Hey, I don't think this is God's will for me to spread this out over two years. Um, just what are some of those internal struggles? I'm sure you had so many internal dialogues, but is there a pivotal moment that you feel you can share or you feel comfortable sharing that really just motivated you to keep going and not to say, okay, you know what? That was a, that was a dream that I had as a little girl. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. time to put it back on the shelf. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can point to one thing Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. don't yeah. recall one day or one moment where I said, I'm going to keep going. It was a daily thing. It was during that year where I was restudying or studying for my retake for step one. It was so hard to get out of bed. It was hard for me to will myself to get out of bed. And if you can imagine sitting at a desk every day for a test that you failed for an entire year, and having to will yourself to study and to focus on this material material you've been staring at for a year when you're depressed, mm-hmm. when you're down and out, when you're depending on your parents solely for money and food because the school won't give you financial aid. I don't know what it was that kept me going besides God. There was not a specific moment where I was like, God, I trust you. We're going to do this, we're this <laughs> together. Because I was mad at God. I was looking at him like, I've professed your name up and down this campus. And these people were looking at me like I'm crazy. 
Where are you now? God, show right. me. No. Right. And that's real. I think it's so real. We we get so many of like the 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 very um picture perfect mm-hmm. stories. And it's funny, I have somebody, I know we've talked about this offline, but I have somebody coming on in a couple of weeks who she's been so uh influential in my own walk in faith, especially how it can relate to my uh, career, because I used to keep them very separate, mm-hmm. not out of shame, but just like, oh, separation between church and state. And right. that's how I'll think of it. I would love to know in those moments, you, when you are fighting with God, like, it, <sighs> If it was anything that brought you back, but can you kind of just open up more about what that journey is like? Because faithfulness is a whole nother podcast conversation. Right. Right. It's something that I still struggle with, to be honest, because I don't think that God causes negative occurrences in my life. We all have free will. He allows free will. Um, That's very apparent. Yes. (laughs) But I, I struggled with what I perceived God allows, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. I struggle with what is allowed as my heavenly father, as my protector. And those are still conversations that he and I have to this day. We have not gotten over it. Um, But just I've known God for so long. I started taking him seriously, gave my life to Christ when I was nine. And to not have him around I don't think I can do it because I'll try to go day. I tried to go days without talking to God and I would end up talking to him anyway, because he's just such (laughs) a huge part of my life. I'm just like, I can't even be mad at you. So I don't have that answer. I'm still where it's still a daily walk and a daily struggle, but it's just not something I'm willing to give up on because he's been good to me and he's been Mm -hmm. faithful to me and he has proven certain people wrong. There was this woman who was in on the, um, the hearing, my dismissal hearing. And when I got back into school, I had a meeting with my academic mentor. And as I was leaving my academic mentor's office, this woman was down the hall and she looked at me as though she had seen a ghost. Her mouth fell open and God had already given me the scripture, Psalm 86, 17, um, Lord, make them slack jawed, make my enemies who stand against me slack jawed as you, um, as you perfectly put me back on my feet. And it happened in front of my face. She t- just to see that look on her face, like, wow, I thought we got rid of her. What's she even doing here? It looks like she's studying. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and so just. Whenever I struggle with God and say, why do you allow these things to happen to me? My mind goes to that moment and how he's faithful. No matter what I'm going through, it's going to work out in my favor. And anyone who stands against me is going to end up being slack jawed, just like that woman. P.S. That is your Chris Brown. Look at me now. (laughs) Moment. Okay. I'm getting paper. paper. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love, love that. And that's an incredible story. And one thing that I would love to switch gears on and ask you more about as it relates to the blog is um, in your bio, I think you say something like, 
uh, now that I'm I'm a doctor, I should start dressing, keep dressing like one, which I just think is like not only clever, but I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> and I have my own personal style and and I know I've told you offline, I follow you and color me Courtney. And it's funny, I, I have I love, love her. Oh, but I just I am not the most colorful person, but I like it. It is infectious and contagious when I see feeds like yours and hers and Beats by Brooke. And I would love to just kind of dig deeper and ask about like your personal style journey. And if you've always been um, like for anyone who doesn't follow her yet, like I like the word statement just comes to mind. Like you just have a lot of um, personalities. So what has that evolution looked like for you over the years? Have you always been colorful um, in your personal style? Sure. So even before it became my personal style, I feel like it was my mom's style because she dressed me head to toe in the brightest colors (laughs) growing up. I mean, especially since it was the 90s, you know, you had the color blocking already, the thick stripes already, and especially in the jean shorts. So I adopted my mom's style. She likes bright colors and it was the 90s. So take those two and combine them. (laughs) So that was her style. And um, she wears bright colors to this day. And so I took that on. I took ownership of it. And I decided bright colors look great on me. There was this one day that I wore this head-to-toe orange tracksuit from Limited 2. And one of my classmates said, Anya, you look like a tangerine. And I said, oh, thank you. Thank you. This is a Limited 2. <laughs> and around 1999, 2000, that was like it. So I said, yes. this is a Limited 2 original, so thank you so much. And For then they anyone? voted me best dressed. Are you like, what? <laughs> They voted me best dressed in the eighth I hope you went up to her. I think she called you a tangerine, but for the sake of the pun, you should have been like, aren't you glad I wore this? Okay. (laughs) Man, I love that. And for anyone who doesn't know Limited 2, it's like justice before justice was justice. Yes, before justice. Yes. So that was my introduction to color, my mom. And then my grandmother and my aunt, of course, would dress me up in various accessories. I'm the only girl in my family. So it was like being their baby doll and just seeing their personal style and how they dress. It was always super classy. And um, if their arms were showing, then their legs were not. If their legs were showing, then their arms were not. So I just have this kind of modest um, style that allows me to also be colorful. And I I just love love it. I love wearing bright colors because it just really does. It really helps my mood. It lifts my mood. Absolutely. I was just, I'm the hand motions I'm giving are like (laughs) lifting. (laughs) Do you follow any rules, um, fashion rules? Like, oh, before I, I believe it was Coco Chanel um, who says like, oh, I try to take off, you know, a piece of jewelry, like look in the mirror, take off a piece of jewelry before I leave the house. So I don't Mm -hmm. have too much on. It could have been a different fashion person who said that. But do you have any rules like that? I don't actually. I don't really put any limits on what I do or how I dress. I just put things together and I say, I like this or I don't. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Like that's how you get personal style. (laughs) Yes. I keep it simple. 
Oh, and before we get into our industry questions, just what do you, what um what does the rest of 2020 look like for you? Obviously, um, at the time of recording, uh, it is September 2020, so COVID is still very much a part of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And I would love just to get your expert opinion on how you not only see. I mean, sure, we could talk for days about what the future will look like, but specifically, how do you feel mental health is going to be affected in the conversation around mental health? And I ask because a lot of my friends who are in the HR space, um, prior to becoming a full-time career coach and writer, I was in HR and recruiting, Mm -hmm. and I used to push for us to talk about mental health more in the workplace because it's so close to my heart. Um, And it was this like very taboo topic. Like I don't, we don't talk about it. And now it's interesting to see it more accepted and more welcomed as a conversation starter. And just to see us beginning to kind of peel those layers back and create programs and policies, but as somebody in the medical profession, what are just some of the, maybe your hopes, and then some of the things that you think are going to come from 2020 as it relates to patients and mental health? Sure. I think that mental health is going to be of the utmost importance going forward. I think that with the quarantine and with people still quarantining in some sort of way, although many are itching to get out. I think a lot of people have had to deal with themselves during the past year. And there's been a lot of self-realization. There's been an increase in self-awareness. And I think that a lot of people in having to stay home and not cover anything up with going out or activity, I think they've had to come to grips with issues that they face, whether it be by themselves or in a relationship, or in a marriage. And so I do think that mental health is going to be of the utmost importance. I think that specifically in the Black community, we're dealing with two pandemics. And watching as our Black brothers and sisters are continuously and horrendously murdered at the hands of paid public servants whose taxes we help pay, Yep. as that continues to happen, Yes. and as people say, I didn't realize this was happening or things like now that this is happening now, Oh, hmm. now this is happening. I think that as we continue to have to deal with that, there's going to be um, an upsurge of mental health awareness and practice in the black community. And that is my hope because it's so stigmatized still in the black community, specifically because so many think that you can't have God and a therapist. And that is so untrue. I have both. And I think it's so important to have both. So my hope is that we really take ownership of our mental health as a community and encourage each other to go get checked out, just like you would take care of your physical health with annual women's wellness exams and with your physical exam, whatever screening tests you need to have because of your age or your family history. We need to treat mental health with the same amount of significance. And I really hope to see that going forward. Again, I'm going to muster words out. (laughs) That is, if, oh, I I feel like you truly just captured what 
as melodramatic as it sounds like my life's work. Like I grew up obviously black, but I grew up in white communities and white spaces. Mm -hmm. And so same. I always kind of, yeah. So you get it. Like, and I joke if, you know, for all of like the psychological crap that comes along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the silver linings that came out of that upbringing is I saw like my white friends just go to therapy and get medication and talk about ADD and these, and I'm like, and I remember going home and being like, mom, I think I'm depressed. And she's like, (laughs) not the the voice. Yeah. (laughs) Have you seen that TikTok where they're like, go to press them dishes? Like, shut up. Like my mom's like, you have food in your belly. Cause my mom grew up in poverty. So she's like, Mm. whatever kid. Mm -hmm. So it was something that it's still so stigmatized now, but I think only a few years ago until like I've been going to therapy for 10 years and I would say maybe about five years ago, my parents were like, huh, this, uh, maybe this is a thing. And so it's been lovely just to see them come so far. And um, so many of my 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 black friends and even friends um, of color in general, just to see it be more of a conversation of therapy and anxiety. And um, oh, I love this one interview with Kiki Palmer on The Breakfast Club where she's like, there's power in just being able to name it. And yeah. that's that's powerful. So everything you're saying, I thank you, Anya, for that. Of course, um, of course. I really appreciate that. Well, I'm excited to get into our industry questions. But before we get into that, Anya, I want to make sure, is there anything else you want to leave our um, listeners with before we get into these industry questions and then the fashion questions at the end? I would just say when it comes to your career, especially if you are a pre-med or a medical student listening, do not give up. Do not give up. If you know that you were called to do this, show up every day. And yes, it's easier said than done. Yes, it's sometimes hard to get out of bed. Yes, there will be people who will tell you that you can't and then go out of their way to not help you because they don't believe in you. That happened to me two weeks ago. I'm not giving up. I'm not. And neither should you. As a career coach and writer, I get a lot of the same questions from my clients and my friends, which is, how did you go out on your own, become a full-time freelancer, and how can I do it too? And while I will be the first person to preach that no two journeys are the same, I do think there are some tried and true steps in order to ensure success as you go out and become your own boss. And everything I learned, I learned from the best. It's Jennifer Fitta. But I'm not alone. There's over 100,000 other people who trust her, as well as 30 institutions. I'm talking professors, y'all. Like, people with doctorates. So, you know that I'm in good company and in good hands. If you want to learn some tactics and strategies or you just want to understand how the hell business works, but you don't feel like getting an MBA, which, by the way, you don't need one of those to be successful, despite what some people in industries will tell you 
then great. Head on over to BYOBrevolt.com. There, it's an educational platform. There's an online community. You can even pick up her book with the same name, Be Your Own Boss. There's a shop. That's where I get my no five-year plan shirt that a lot of you guys love on Instagram. Either way, there's something for everyone. So take a little peek. And if you see something you like, I have a special offer code for y'all. 25% off site-wide. Just use the code OfficePolitics, one word. Again, whether it's a t-shirt, a book, something else, just make sure to save yourself 25%. You use the code OfficePolitics. And hey, do me a favor. When you buy your book or your shirt or you join the online community, please, please, please give me a shout out on social media. I would love to start a conversation with you, see what you're learning, see what's working for you, and keep that dialogue going. All right, guys, back to the show. Industry questions. All righty. Now, um, what is the big, now you can either pick the medical industry or social media. You can go in between the two, answer for both. It's, it's your party, whatever you want to do. Um, what is the biggest misconception about your industry? Hmm. I think to me, I'll do the medical field for this one. To me, the biggest misconception is that you don't need anything else that medicine is life, life is medicine, and outside of it, nothing exists. I think that a lot of the new age doctors who want to have families, who want to actually be around their families and spend time with them and, you know, take on entrepreneurial entrepreneurial roles outside of the medicine, get a lot of flack from the old school doctors because they think you're supposed to be in the hospital all the time. They think that you're supposed to only treat patients and neglect yourself and your family because of the oath you take. But if you're not well, how can you make others well? So I think that's a misconception that once you become a medical doctor, all you need is medicine and everything else can kind of be um, secondary. But I'm a believer. I don't have a family yet, but I want one. And I know that God is going to give me one. Um, because I've already decided that that's going to happen. So once I have a family, that's my first ministry. If they're not well, then I don't know how I can help others. I'm not going to leave my household in shambles so that I can take care of others. Yes, there will be sacrifices. Yes, there will have to be understanding. Yes, I won't be able to be at everything, but just completely (laughs) neglecting Mm -mm. (laughs) my first ministry is off the table. So yes, that is powerful. That's powerful. And it's very interesting as an outsider to learn that there is like an old school mentality versus new school. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have even guessed that. Um, What is the least favorite part about your industry? That's hard because I really do. I'm trying to think of one for fashion, but I really do enjoy everything I do for my blog. I think my least favorite part, though, would be making sure that I get my payments on time. When I work, (laughs) certain brands do not always pay on time. When that net 30, net 60 comes around, especially if you have net 60, 
I'm kind of looking at you like, what's up? When it's <laughs> now net 61 or net 62. Ma'am. That is problematic. <laughs> Especially if you negotiated my rate down in the first place. So I think that's my <laughs> least favorite part. Plus one. Yes, 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 yes. All I can say is yes. And I have to stay on my own behind because, like I said, those people who do net 60, it's, I think they're like hoping that you forget. And then I, so, you know, every Friday morning, I'm going through my like invoices and just right. like, that's right. and have, having some hard conversations. Yes. What <laughs> is the best thing about your industry? I'm going to choose the blogging world again. The best part is that I get to express myself and encourage other people to do the same and to step outside the box. I don't meet a fashion blogger who's a recently graduated medical student and new doctor every single day. And so for me, that's very special. And to be able to share that through an online presence and mix the photography and the fashion the way I always wanted to, but didn't know what to call it back in high school. That's very, very special for me. It's not just about the clothes for me. It's about the art and the thought that goes behind it. It's about the words that go behind it, bringing the clothing to life through my words on my blog. That's important to me. Just having that creative expression is something that I just will never take for granted because I enjoy it so much. I enjoy creative writing. I enjoy creating and being able to do that on a daily basis has been a godsend. I love that. You really, it's, it feels like you have the best of both worlds. So I can understand why that's so important. And finally, what is the hiccup or failure you would never change about your journey or that you are most grateful for? Mm. I don't think I can say I wouldn't change it because this failure was the largest one and it was the hardest, but I'm grateful for it in the sense that it proved to me that I can do anything, that God can do anything, that I'm stronger than I thought. Um, And that's failing step one. When I released my story, almost did an MD the day before my graduation from med school, I thought maybe a couple people would say things like, oh my gosh, I can relate. Wow, I failed this exam once too. But I had droves of students commenting in my DMs, asking for help, saying that they could relate. There are so many students who are suffering suffering in silence and who have been suffering in silence. And to be able to be a voice and to be an expression of what that feels like for so many people just meant so much to me. Did I want to go through that pain so that I could do that? Not necessarily, but am I glad that something came out of it for others so that it could be meaningful? Absolutely. There was one student who reached out to me via email and she said, I'm kicked out of school right now. My my hearing to get back in is in two days. I need your help. Can you help me? And the title of the email said urgent. I didn't know what this girl was going through. 
when I first said urgent, I was like, I hope she doesn't think that I have the ability to practice with her because this seems like an emergency. But it was about getting back into school. And so I told her what I did. I told her what I thought she should do. I didn't hear from her for two days. So I continued to pray for her. And she contacted me a couple days later and said, thank you. I'm back in medical school. And I was just like, my God. And people are still DMing me and emailing me and saying, thank you for blessing me because I just passed step one. I just got a a DM about that yesterday. And so I wouldn't change my story because of that, because more people specifically in med school need to see overcomers and need to see that just because your story isn't perfect doesn't mean that you're ill-equipped to heal and to treat. Beautiful. Wow. And with that, we are going to go to a quick commercial break, but come right back because we are going to do Fangirl Corner. Scale of one to 10, how much do you hate writing cover letters, resumes, and job hunting? Okay. If the number is anything above like 0.5, you're in very good company. When COVID hit, all of my friends came to me and said, please help me with my resume. Please write a letter that is somewhat captivating. And how do I freaking network and job hunt in 2020? Thankfully, the universe had a divine plan and that is how my career coaching business started. So today's episode is sponsored by Jasmine Reed Clark Career Coaching. So whether it's a resume revamp that you just need to spice up, and get back in the game, or maybe you would love to take a course on how to network and job hunt in 2020, I've got you covered, boo. Just go to jasminereedclark.com and go to my services page. There you will see all of the professional development tools I offer, and I would love to take you on as a client. And if you're not ready for one-on-one coaching, totally cool. There are plenty of courses and even freebies on my site. All right, Anya. Now, this is my favorite part. Whenever we have influencers on, I love to do fangirl corner, pick your brain, ask you all of the annoying questions. That, <laughs> let's be honest, this is for me at this point. No one else has to keep listening. <laughs> but one of my favorite games to play is like or swipe. And so if you, I'm going to like say a trend and either you you hit it with that double tap mm-hmm. or you are swiping left and you're like, I am not a fan of that trend. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Awesome. Leopard print. Like. Yes. Like leopard. Fedoras. I'm going to like it. Okay. For this okay. season. For now. <laughs> I, yeah, see, I feel like they're making it like an unironic comeback. So I, I feel <laughs> <Right>. like <laughs> mixing metals. Swipe. <gasps> Damn. All, all the fashion girls I keep having on are saying swipe. And, but th- you know, that's why I'm not a fashion blogger. So, it, you know, it makes sense. But it's up to you. It's all about your <laughs> that's personal <true>. style. <laughs> 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that validation. Now, first, um, do you know what a Visco girl is? Is that a girl who uses that app solely to um, edit her photos? I wish it was that simple. Uh, it it uh, Let me expound upon it. Basically, you wear like the oversized hoodie, a scrunchie on your wrist, your hair is in a messy bun, and you wear like the puka shell necklaces. Oh, swipe. <laughs> I'm not understanding. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the, <laughs> the color fuchsia. I love fuchsia. Like, yes, it's bright. <laughs> yes, like the color black for clothing. Like, as long as it's not the only color. Everybody needs a little black dress. A little, exactly, exactly. Polka dots. Ooh, like, mm hmm. And then finally, palm print. I like that. I do. Yes, I love it. I love it. Now, the final um, the final game we're going to play is Love, Marry, Kill for Fashion Trends. Okay. Okay. Are you going to love, marry, or kill the following? Juicy tracksuits, <laughs> a white coat, and flip-flops. I'll give you some time to think about it. Love, Doo -doo. marry, kill. Okay, I'm going to marry my white coat because I worked hard for that. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to love my tracksuit, my juicy. Yes. I wish I still had one. I think I gave it away. <laughs> I thought about buying one just just for the, just for the fun. fun of it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to kill the flip flops because I am an inverter and I'm not supposed to wear flat shoes anyway. Oh, okay. Great. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Works out for everyone. And finally, um, before we go, Anya, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can already feel that this is my favorite episode. It's going to be my favorite episode for a very long time. Um, thank you for your candor. And I know everyone has fallen in love with you. So I would love to tell them where to keep up with you, how to keep up with you and any upcoming projects they should be on the lookout for. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yes. Um, you can keep up with me at Surgery and the City on Instagram, on Pinterest, on Facebook, <laughs> and my <laughs> blog, surgeryandthecity.com. I have some fun campaigns coming up for fall. Really excited about the brands that I get to work with. So please definitely support, engage with that content and with those blog posts. And what else? I am working on getting into a hospital near you. So <gasps> very That's soon. exciting. Thank you again so much. And thank you for listening to Office Politics. <laughs>